welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. You know, uh, I've been playing recently. There's a game that came out earlier this year that uh, I thought fit the Playwright spirit pretty well. It's called There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension. Um, do you know this one at all? I'm actually not familiar. I don't. I don't. Um, what's the deal with it? It kind of starts off feeling like one of those old games like you know, around the Flash era, there were a lot of kind of like non games that were kind of intentionally cheeky about like, you know, do not press this button. You know, there's nothing behind this curtain. Don't don't look here and everything, you know. And so it, it does kind of um, start off on that foot, but um, it feels like a much more kind of fully realized and uh, a much more explored version of that. And it even kind of, you know, takes that initial premise and then um, kind of jumps into different styles of games, um, sets up some pretty clever parodies of of real um, real types of games, real you know specific games as well. Um, the entire time being narrated by a kind of Stanley Parable esque narrator, uh, really funny, really inventive. Um, I, uh, I I'm really liking it, so I'll, I'll give that one a recommend for people who are looking for something a little bit different. That's cool. I'm so interested to play more games with that level of self-awareness, games that are tighter, shorter, and experimental this year. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it's our responsibility to bring that heat of of innovative new games on our podcast every week. So, you know, it does help to get a little bit of, uh, a little bit of inspiration, see what people are doing, so to mix things up in the real world. Uh, let's get over to our video game pitches for today. I'll be going first today. I think this will be our last show of the year. Um, so this is going to be the uh, December 31st edition, New Year's Eve. So um, yeah, I mean, as long as I'm able to get the edit done on time, but uh, should be okay. Uh, so let's uh, let's make this one count. Let's go into 2021 with a, with a strong foot forward. Anyways, I'll be going first, and um, I have to admit, I am exploring ground that is uh, well-trodden here on Playwright, but I think I've got an angle that is uh, is really going to work here. So um, what I want to do is an open-world uh, Hitman game, like we have done so many times before, mm. but uh, set in a city. Uh, I'm kind of you know inspired by Cyberpunk in this way. Set in a city in which you play as a randomly generated um, or randomly assigned kind of sleeper agent with different skill sets um, given the name of someone that you have to assassinate and maybe a few details, but not enough information to really to really just go after them. And you have to gain intel from around the city to narrow down your info, you know, what they look like, where they work, who they know. Um, you have to train your own agent in any of the skills you might think that you need. You have to acquire weapons yourself. So anyways, it's basically kind of a turning Hitman into like a roguelike type of thing with um, uh, always kind of trying to narrow down your search, your target as you're going throughout the city. Yeah. Anyways, I'll go ahead and start the clock there. See where it takes us. Well, we've we've crossed the chasm here, sir, because my game pitch is okay. very similar to yours this week <laughs> all right do, do you want to do like a, a 20 minute mega pitch or do you want to do something else well let's see if we could take them in different directions 
That's our challenge to ourselves. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. I mean, I think mine's less exciting anyway. Okay, so uh, I am playing as a hitman or the hitman, and um, I guess, like, am I trying to attack one target? Is it, How many targets can I take out? Uh, well, I think it would be kind of like every time you awaken as a new kind of sleeper agent, a new, uh, think about like Watchdogs Legion, you know, like anybody in the city could be your next hitman Mm. you are kind of randomly assigned as one of them and you are given a task to assassinate one person in particular and it's up to you to figure out who that person is where to find them how to acquire the training and the weaponry you need to take them out and um and that's kind of the cycle is that everything is new and unknown every time okay i'm i think i'm getting it how how long do you imagine one of the runs being I see it as being not quite to the scale, but to use a metaphor, kind of like a Breath of the Wild type thing, where you could, if you happen to know the name of somebody already, you already know their, if they are the CEO of a company that you've heard talked about in previous runs, then you could just go straight to the building, you know, find a sneaky way to get in and take them out straight away. But I would imagine most runs would probably take like you know maybe a two or three sittings to accomplish you know it's um oh it's about you know i think about like in hitman the recent hitman games you can kind of toggle on your assassin vision which would show the kind of red outline of the target from anywhere on the map so you always know where to go i would think that that would be kind of completely blank at the beginning but as you gather intel then maybe you can maybe you get like a hazy red part from the district that you know that they spend time in maybe you get uh maybe their their workplace building becomes highlighted in red when you get more specific information and then like once you've really kind of narrowed down very specifically maybe if you are able to are able to intercept like their cell phones uh specific signal and have a device that can track them then you get that red outline of the person specifically but you really have to work hard to to get to the point where you know exactly who you're tracking down. And you can always go in early with incomplete information as long as you think you have enough to try to um you could uh you could you could know where they work, the building they work on, maybe the maybe the job that they do. And so you can go in and start reading the names on lockers or um hope to kind of run across somebody saying their name in the hallway or something like that. But uh really it's all about gathering intel and preparing ahead of time. Okay. All right. So that makes sense to me. So now I I become this person and maybe I realize that, oh, the, the target that I want to uh, assassinate or something, I'm going to have to get them from a distance. And now it's my responsibility to like level up this person in that thing. Uh, sorry, what? I guess what, what I'm asking is every person is kind of like a Manchurian candidate, right? Yeah, yeah. Where they, they become activated, which I love. And then once once they're activated, you get into a sort of a mode where everybody just has the regular skills of a person. And so if I need them to like snipe on the mission, for example, I need to like go take them to sniper school. Yeah, essentially. You know, maybe you could kind of form relationships with people who own gun ranges or whatever, and uh, and they can kind of have an understanding that would carry over from person to the next. But uh, maybe as a way of kind of banking some of your progress, 
if you, on behalf of the agency, spend a certain amount of money at a particular retailer or trainer or something, then they give you a discount in the future or they unlock kind of a 101 level course once you reach certain thresholds that anyone can take. Maybe they give you, uh, you know, mobile guidance so you don't always have to find your way to their building in the middle of the city, you know, little ways to kind of make the process a bit easier as you do run after run. I like the idea of of jumping into or, you know, waking up a Manchurian candidate and then and then them like, oh, my God, I'm right next to the target. And so them like trying to grab a weapon or something and like chase that person down. like obviously the first attempt, very low chance of success, but that the the sort of like Hollywood like moment of the person's activated and oh shit, they're activated right next to the target is mm-hmm. kind of interesting to me. And and the dynamics that could create of like, once that person knows it's you, um, that maybe they, they go out of the way, the AI goes out of its way to avoid you or something like that. Or, or now you have to be in a disguise next time you go and, uh, and do it. Or perhaps when your agent is killed, Maybe the next agent that awakens as a random person, you know, again, kind of watchdog legion style is tasked with assassinating the same person. And so if your previous agent got in close, then you know who you're looking for. Maybe you have a bit more information about their route around the building and their their behavioral loop or whatever. Um, I like also in watchdogs legion how everyone has kind of a a daily schedule that they go upon Hmm. and that could really work to our advantage here. You know, if they go to, they go to work in the morning and then they go to the cemetery to lay some flowers on a grave afterwards. And then they eat their favorite uh, Vietnamese place after that. And, you know, it's this, this kind of looping schedule where it's kind of similar to the way that characters behave in Hitman, but it's just more kind of complex and over a longer scale um, perhaps. And then obviously scaled out to the, size of the the full city one of the things that it, that makes me think of is like what if i as when i'm activated as an agent to give the next agent a leg up or something maybe what we could do is allow you to capture people and like send them to a training facility or something so like you you uh when you do wake up a new agent you potentially have the ability of selecting someone who you've given some level of training to already instead of starting from Mm -hmm. zero every time you're kind of banking certain agents for when you're really confident in a run later on right or like every agent can only ever have uh you know one person or two people that they are able to send to the facility and then, and those people can't even be training on the same thing. So you, you're like, okay, well, I guess my, you know, it it lets you kind of plan ahead and be like, okay, well, I guess the next run I'm going to see if I can play it as a, you know, a stealth person, or if I can play it as a, uh, you know, somebody who's good with vehicles or construction equipment. It would be interesting if very rarely, but every once in a while you were tasked with assassinating one of the previous agents you had played as and then their skills that you taught them would carry over and make them more deadly (laughs) yeah that's true like i wonder if uh eventually you it's a world of assassination eventually isn't it (laughs) so let's think about the setting um you know obviously i was thinking about uh cyberpunk a lot while kind of formulating this in my mind Uh, i don't think it needs to be like a far future type of setting you know i think one of the things to like about hitman is that it's somewhat like feels kind of grounded in some level of reality, even if it is a reality that is drenched in a 
decadent luxury everywhere you go. But, um, you know, I, I, I do like in cyberpunk how, you know, you can, you can go from the upper high rises and kind of stumble out into the, uh, into the alleys and, and warehouses and stuff like that. And you really feel the entire kind of spectrum of the, uh, kind of socioeconomic levels of that city. I think you're right. And, and Hitman, it's not like Hitman is, um, he's not a big sprinter, is he? He's this kind of cold calculated. Yeah. He moves very deliberately. And I'm, I'm wondering like if there's an angle to moving around this city and, and finding these new people and, and discovering your target, hunting them down slowly. It's, it's almost like playing out almost like a serial killer movie over and over again, because, you know, you have like the normal person who like starts off in like khakis and a polo shirt, and maybe you can modify every, once you control them, you have like GTA style control over them. So now you can go like, give them a crazy haircut and change their clothes and give them a face tattoo and all this nuts stuff. And then, um, Shout out to people with face tattoos. I don't mean to your, your choices. Do whatever you want to your face. But um, the, the, the idea of you can modify these people and then it's kind of your way of like having changed the world. So they go from like, you know, dad playing tennis to like face tattoo, walking into the gun shop, getting a semi-automatic rifle. It's, it's actually kind of horrifying. Yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and close that one down. Let's come up with a name for it. Um, I do kind of like from the pitch. I like sleeper agents. I think that fits pretty well. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right. You said you had a similar pitch for us today. Let's roll right into it. Okay. I'm going to try and zag to your zig by um, potentially, potentially getting going 2D with our format here. But I'm thinking about a Dead Cells uh, like roguelite game, but I'd love it to be either with a stealth agent or in a splinter cell like universe there's those feelings we've all played them in levels where you're just trying to get through um the last of us and stuff has this type of thing i'm trying to get through a series of rooms or corridors trying not to make a sound very tense uh if we take that and apply it to a roguelite setting where run by run you're just seeing uh how far you can get. Maybe you can make it to the next floor of the building or the next, uh, you're, you're constantly infiltrating, but you can take down people in a few ways. You can buy gadgets, gadgets drop. You can uh, level up in some way over time, but that's the, that's the long and short of it. All right. Starting the clock. So what is the kind of primary thing that we are talking about here? I, I mean, I was, I was listening. I wasn't ignoring you, but yeah, like, no, sorry. I feel like we were doing a like a 2D side-on stealth game. So is this kind of like a Mark of the Ninja, but roguelike? Or like, what is the kind of core of what we're pitching? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if side-on is even right. I, I almost wonder if like top-down okay. or isometric is the way to go. But the feeling of being your Sam Fisher kind of crouching the whole time, walking around, um, or if you do like Metal Gear Solid, maybe you're dealing with like vision cones and that sort of thing mm-hmm. in a 2D way. There's a few different ways I can take people down. I can I can knock them down, which takes them a second to just get back up. I could do like a uh, knock them out 
which is I can drag them around, hide them, but if they're found, their their folks can wake them up, and then I can kill. But I think you should, you know, give someone credit or currency or something for the more difficult routes. So like lethal maybe is not worth anything or not worth much. Non-lethal, when they can be found and stuff, that's worth more. And then of course, just the temporary knockdown and then setting them on alert is worth the most. But uh, you're trying to navigate through these levels and, uh, you know, you only get a couple of pieces of equipment as your loadout. It's changing constantly and you can buy and upgrade your way into better and better gadgets. This might be a different pitch entirely, but uh, have you played or seen any of In Other Waters from earlier this year? In Other Waters? No. So it's a game where you play, uh, I guess for all intents and purposes, as like a submarine unit, you know, something that's exploring kind of the ocean depths, except you don't see what you're actually exploring. You essentially play kind of like a tool loadout, like you play the kind of... Uh, like the radar and the like all the tools that are aboard the submarine um, in a very, very beautiful, very nicely constructed layout. But essentially all of the information that you're receiving is secondhand from the actual explorers or the actual machine. You are just kind of processing information in a very kind of disconnected way, but in a way that feels... um, I don't know, kind of abstract and interesting um, as well. I, I wonder if that same kind of formula could be applied to like a secret agenty stealth game like this, where like Sam Fisher has all sorts of different gadgets and views and stuff like that. And maybe instead of playing as Sam himself, you are you are playing as maybe a hacker that mm. is kind of you know, breaking into or, you know, breaking into cameras throughout the building again to kind of pull in some watchdogs threads. Maybe you are playing as the tools that Sam Fisher has on his, uh, in his goggles, on his tool belt, whatever. Um, but anyways, like it's just about kind of like elucidating using incomplete information where enemies are and alerting the actual character to, dangers and kind of advising them as they go forward using heat signatures using uh sound waves but nothing that lets you actually see what's going on it's all just like it's all just like triangulation based on different types of supplemental information yeah i wonder if then the format could almost be something like you like the spy themselves is stopping before each room and you got to give them a little intelligence brief of like, okay, I think ahead I've identified three hostels and two traps. And, um, I think you should use this gadget and this gadget to get around it. Yeah. There's another game called Republic that is a, uh, stealth game, but you don't play as the character in stealth. You play as somebody advising them via cameras and, and it is, for all intents and purposes, it does play like a pretty standard stealth game in that you are looking, you know, over the shoulder of a character in a way, just from kind of a fixed camera perspective, Resident Evil style, uh, kind of pointing and clicking to where you want them to go, you know, advising them that way. Uh, but, you know, it is kind of clever in that it does set up the kind of third person viewpoint is another character in the world. They justify their presence. They allow that viewpoint to kind of switch between cameras to look around corners and to give the actual person there out on the ground information that they wouldn't have themselves. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea and it's not been explored too thoroughly yet. Yeah. I'm trying to think about what we would have as a view and how to do something like, could you give me heat vision without ruining the play experience? And, uh, it'd be neat if you could, like, if you had to switch between, if you were infiltrating like a skyscraper or something like that, if you had to switch between pure vertical and pure horizontal views, maybe even per floor, you can kind of get like cross sections of the building and you can see, you know, obviously you could switch between like multiple different types of views for heat signatures for maybe you can trace the, trace the sources of sounds. You can see things moving and try to kind of map out their patrol routes, but you know, equally so um, a heat signature could be, you know, a boiler um, in, uh, in, you know, behind a wall somewhere. And if you're not really careful about, you know, assessing all of the types of information, then you could be alerting your agent to, you know, a lot of false positives. And so after I give the little Intel briefing, maybe we can see the, the character kind of maneuver around. Does, does Republic do this? You kind of like, once you, you know, I haven't played enough of Republic to really get into its systems. Um, from when I played just kind of opening, opening levels, uh, it was pretty basic, like just looking through the camera visually, not really getting the supplemental information, but I'm sure they introduced some more clever systems later on. Yeah, I like that. And and so now you're kind of in the mode of trying to correctly assess the situation. Although I'm I'm wondering if maybe we can have third party intervention. Can I send down little payloads of items or like, hey, I've I've dropped a cache of you're gonna need night vision yeah, yeah. In, in the next room or something like that. And so you also have to choose what the loadout is that's being delivered to the person. Or maybe they have all the equipment already. They just need your I don't want to say permission in like a Metroid Other M kind of way, but maybe they have a very limited battery. And so it really is like a strategic choice as to what they do and don't use. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm I'm almost wondering too, if, if we do some of the like earning or something like that of giving the correct commands or offering the correct advice can indeed like end with a person earning their way to be able to deploy additional gadgets for the for the spy as they're on the ground like if you can play it right and then you get into a situation where um you yourself are rewarded by being able to send the spy uh more resources yeah potentially the only thing is that like from a like in fiction perspective i don't know what the mechanics of that would be because you're not i don't know how you would send somebody a package in like an enemy building without it being extremely you wouldn't send like a delivery boy up there with like a (laughs) new gun or something like that like maybe you can kind of siphon electricity from devices or something like that but i don't know about deliveries though anyways we're uh we're getting on the um side of uh running out of time here so uh let's go ahead and close it down let's come up with a name for what we've created i'm trying to think of like a point person or uh could be an inside man, maybe. Oh, yeah. And you're, t- you're talking to the inside man? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Let's hop on over to our uh, community and see what y'all have emailed in this week. This one comes from Chesney Mooncalf, who we've heard from multiple times before. Thank you, as always, for sending in. We, uh, we very much appreciate our repeat um, 
we don't have a name for them. Suggesters, pitchers. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, pitchers. That's kind of a fun because that's Pitcher. also a sporting <laughs> term. Anyways, Chesney says, actually, I do have an idea for Herbal Space Program, a space themed Guitar Hero style game for the songs of Bob Marley. But looking forward to hearing your ideas also. <laughs> All right. Cool. Let's uh, let's start the clock. We jam so we have a rhythm game set in space about Bob Marley. A lot to digest there. What sorts of features of Bob Marley? I mean, will we call him reggae at this point? Yeah, he's he's reggae. Yeah. So, what kind of features do we think reggae music makes reggae music distinct from, say, like just rock and roll or your traditional? You know, I like reggae, but I kind of like. I feel like I have more of a service level understanding of it. Um, I don't feel like I've gotten really into the weeds of like what you know separates like really thoughtful, interesting reggae from rather kind of, you know, basic dollar store reggae. Sure. But, um, you know, on a pure surface level, like it's slow, it's very measured. It's uh, usually kind of played with a familiar kind of round of instruments that has a very distinctive sound to it. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a slow and relaxed beat with, um, a little bit more kind of dynamism from the singer rather than the the instruments which tend to play either very kind of minimal backing beats uh, or um, sometimes even kind of um, playing off key in a fun jazzy kind of way. That's interesting. So I wonder if that means what we could do with reggae, if it's going to be slower, it's going to be a little bit more chill. I wonder if, uh, and we're in space, obviously, I wonder if there's we use something like zero gravity and maybe have something that feels a lot more like a, a res or something as a rhythm game. Yeah. Yeah. I would like something that's abstract. You know, I was thinking about Thumper, which obviously would not be a good fit for something as kind of slow and relaxed and regular as reggae, but maybe something like, um, like a puzzle that, you know, once the pieces get into place, it, the beat kind of falls together. Um, and so it would make sense that there's kind of a phrase that more or less loops over time as you're kind of constructing, uh, constructing sonically something like maybe it's a sequencer rhythm or something. I don't know. Oh, I think we, at one point, I remember us pitching a while ago, this idea of like using constellations, um, in space. And I wonder if like, a, a music track is playing, it's this rhythm game, and you are trying to find, you know, the constellation, essentially, that is, like, bumping in time with the beat of the music, and you kind of, uh, I, I recently was playing this game Haven, and Haven has a lot of, there's these things called flow strands, and you have to kind of jump on them and kind of mm-hmm. move left and right and trace trace yourself around them. So I can imagine tracing yourself around these constellations. And what if like when you're finished with them uh, and you, you know, you trace the right one to the music, you, you can explode in, in these really awesome, uh, herbaceous, <laughs> psychedelic like uh portraits of different beautiful things have you played half-life alex yet i haven't so this seems like a weird reference point for this in particular but there are um, a number of holographic puzzles that you have to solve throughout the game to unlock boxes and and stuff like that and um, they're kind of like that world's equivalent of like password locks in a way Um, but uh, they involve kind of like 
picking up and moving a hologram image and usually like, you know, rotating an aspect of it to uh, kind of to match a similarly colored object on the other side, trying to navigate around obstacles like a game of operation or something like that. But there's one in particular that is kind of interesting that we might be able to kind of tap into here. It's um, it essentially has like, you know, a couple of, of uh, points that it's kind of made of like several, several objects kind of floating in the space in front of you. And then there are a couple of like lasers that form, you know, triangles in a way, um, lasers that kind of meet in the center. And then you can grab that center piece uh, for each of those la- laser constellations and try to position them in 3D space in such a way that the beams each like so that the beams, you know, bisect all of the various kind of points floating off in space. It's hard to describe, but am I at least kind of getting there a little bit with you? Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of I'm, making sure that the the lasers cross through every of those, like every single one of those points in three dimensional space. That's cool. And then like the, you could maybe even as you set the lasers, cause I'm controlling the origin point of the laser in this scenario. You'd be, well, yeah, I mean, you certainly could. You aren't in Half-Life Alex is a little bit more complicated, but essentially I think for our intents and purposes, I think that communicates the idea anyways. Like maybe it's more about like bringing things into alignment rather than like hitting things to a rhythm because, you know, reggae's rhythms are intentionally very easy. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how much texture you could really get from right you're not going to be in 1632 uh time signature right yeah okay cool so there's these uh, still constellations in this uh potentially i mean maybe it's you know just like the kind of satisfying things of watching watching turn signals and multiple cars in front of you fall into sync with one another or maybe adjusting the orbit of planets to align with one another and i don't know just like any of those kind of like satisfying just little kind of not even mind benders but just almost kind of fidgety types of activities that you could do to um to bring the music into fuller focus i wonder if you what you could do is have like really uh smooth analog controls uh, Mm -hmm. on both your joysticks of one is time and the other is space and you yeah, are here trying to like somehow abstractly represent both the speed of something to to feel like it's clicking in with the song and then also the 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 position or the view of things so that it's you know clear and in harmony there's there's almost an aspect of like it would be fun if you're kind of like attuning dimensions in a way kind of like the end of interstellar you know where you're kind of like in between realities and trying to hone in on something. And, and I, I don't know if it's like, if it's funny in an almost kind of parody kind of way, or if it's just, you know, very endearingly sincere, but like Bob Marley being that spirit guide feels kind of right in a way, like his <laughs> music being the link that ties us all together, not just because of the, you know, kind of drug side of his uh, legacy, but because just, his music is very much like a, you know, one people, it's very much like just really kind of getting back to the the simplest emotions and the, 
just the fight to kind of keep moving together as a as a community. I wonder if uh, you know it, it. You can do like straight up Bob Marley tracks, but I love the idea of doing a. Gosh, do you know that uh, that movie that was inspired by the music of the Beatles? I mean, there's been yeah, a I few know of them at this point. <laughs> there's there's so many. The there's, universe, there's, there's Yellow Submarine. There's a, there's a super surreal one where, but it's live action and it doesn't actually. It's a little bit more on the modern side in the 2000s or something like that. Is it across the universe? I think it's across the universe. That's right. So I okay. wonder if you do like a really cool across the universe. Well, speaking of space program, right across the universe, like take on the Marley music as well, where you start off with his tracks and you can move into orchestrated versions of them, turn them into themes and, and really build upon them and really just be a celebration of the artist. I think that'll do it for this one. We are at our 10 minute mark. And of course, Chesney did come in with Herbal Space Program. <laughs> I'm making a bit of a pun there, which I appreciate. That will, uh, that will do it for us today. If you would like to submit a pitch of your own, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World off the album Blue Noise. And while you're listening to things, go check out the other great shows on the Kane and Rinse Network, like Sound of Play, like Kane and Rinse, like The Sausage Factory. And to take us out of the show today, I have a redacted game for you. Mm. This one is a bit of a short one, but we'll see if we can get there. Assume the role of redacted, redacted, or redacted, and then in parentheses, or not. In this redacted, set in a variety of redacted locales and featuring enough gadgets, weapons, which is a uh, misspelling of weapons that is actually in the Metacritic description. <laughs> okay. So I'll backtrack a little bit. And featuring enough gadgets and weapons to keep you busy. There's gadgets. There's weapons slash weapons. There's yes. three characters. Well... There are presumably more than three characters because you can choose between redacted, 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 or not. So, <laughs> or not. You have to at least have the option to not play any of them. <laughs> oh my god! And there's gadgets. Gadgets. That's that's one. That's one thing because it could be like my first thought is like a fighting game with the the rosters, but I don't traditionally think of fighting games as like weapon games or or games with gadgets is this i'm gonna start thinking of games that might be this punchy and cheeky is this uh the battletoads from this year it's not battletoads okay um i might need some metadata totally understandable that is uh (laughs) not a lot of information that's out there currently (laughs) it has a 71 meta score and a 5.3 user score and is the number 87 best ps2 game of 2001 or the number 47 most shared ps2 game of 2001 okay which gives me a time-ish frame mm-hmm. is this like a character action game i know that's a broad question uh, again uh character action game i define very narrowly as <laughs> like devil may cry bayonetta yeah. yeah it's it's not one of those yeah, because I'm thinking about Devil May Cry may have had like multiple characters. I know the latest ones do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's no, not a character. Not, not a character action game. Whew. I'm even I'm trying to like think about like PlayStation 2 era stuff. 
<laughs> I might need to burn my uh, my 10, 10 and, and uh, whatever review. That's, that's all right. Yeah, let's get some more information out there. All right, a 10 submitted by Ace Ventura Ooh. says, great game for any redacted franchise fan. Redacted competing game in the same genre. <laughs> Who'd ever remember it after playing this one? And it's a 10. A two says the makers of this game should be rounded up and put through some sort of torture. Perhaps making them play their <laughs> own game would be appropriate. I wonder if Redacted stamped his seal of approval on this before it was released. Maybe he only had time to stamp the large check he got in the mail. This is by far the worst video game I have ever purchased. Sad face. That is a two, not a zero, but that's as low as they go. Hey, good for that person. They bought them out at a two. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I feel like I got a bunch of new pieces of information. It's a game in a series. It is. It has competitive games along with it, or, or competing series along with it, and perhaps I the- wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't hang your hat on like. I'll say that this particular franchise doesn't dabble in this space that much. Okay. So, you know, if you were thinking about fighting games, it's not Soul Calibur, you know? Well, I mean, the third piece of information I want to recap is that seemingly, seemingly the creator is known in some way. The, yeah, there is a, um, there's a prominent person who is kind of seen as more or less the kind of the face of the public facing, you know, face of the, uh, of the franchise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's a franchise. Okay. Um, is this, uh, a SpongeBob? Is this SpongeBob, ba- uh, Bikini Bottom? Bikini, which, that one? No, it's not SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I feel like I'm close to it. The or not is so strange. It is strange, even in context. <laughs> okay. And it's and it's something that doesn't normally traffic in this. Okay. Uh gosh, I just need to take a guess and rip off this band-aid. If you want me to, uh I can uh, I can unredact a little bit of the of the uh pitch without giving it all away. All right, let's see if this does it. Assume the role of redacted, redacted, or redacted, or not, in this kart racer set in a variety of redacted locales featuring enough gadgets and weapons to keep you busy. Kart racer? Oh my god. Well then I would have to... I don't even know if this was a PlayStation 2 game, but I'm going to have to guess Crash Team Racing. Not Crash Team Racing. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, All right. (laughs) Who was it? He does, I guess that doesn't have a known creator, really. Okay, I'm interested to find out who, what this is. Okay. I mean, I feel like I feel like you would get there pretty quickly at this point, but um, I'll read the unredacted pitch. Assume the role of Yoda, Anakin, or Jar Jar, <laughs> or not. Super Bombad. It's the Super It is Super Bombad Racing. <laughs> In this car racer set in a variety of Star Wars locales featuring enough gadgets and weapons to keep you busy. (laughs) I haven't thought about that in a good (laughs) long time. (laughs) Let me... Oh my god. Hold on. I've never played it, but it's a very memorable presence. I remember like the... It was like a big head mode or something on the cover, right? I mean, it wasn't a mode. It was just the way the thing was stylized. (laughs) 
like Darth Maul's, but yeah, I'm looking at it now. I just Googled it. Darth Maul's big stupid head. <laughs> oh my God. What a misfire. So George Lucas is the, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. I was, I was sitting there thinking about like Japanese person, usually <laughs> Japanese, um, because Julie PlayStation Miyamoto, 2, yeah. yeah, I feel like PlayStation 2 era, there was not necessarily you know, outside of Kojima and some Nintendo people, that many people, people that uh, were widely known as like auteur creators in the industry. Yeah. I don't know how like big a household name Mark Cerny was at that point even. Yeah. <laughs> well, did he work on that? No, no, no. Oh, he that's was, too bad. <laughs> but he was in the PlayStation ecosystem at that point. Wow. Well, sad I didn't get it, but glad you reminded me it existed. <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it for us today. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll uh, catch you again next year. Poodoo!